Thank you, Victoria. That was beautiful. Scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. As we continue in our series, um, The Mind of a Disciple, hear the word of the Lord. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, I remember my first year of seminary, um, Jamie and I had only been married for a couple months, and I was in my first theology class, and I'm sitting there with Dr. Williams, and um, he asks this really, uh, this question that should be really easy for me at that moment, but became, was like impossible, I froze, and the question went like this, are you ready? Tell me about Jamie, and I froze. Now, we've been married for a few months, of course, I knew her very well, but I was terrified, I was 22, I'm sitting in class, and um, I, I was like, uh, uh, and he was so gracious, he was like, okay, Brad, Tell me, like, what she looks like. Tell me things y'all have done together. Uh, tell me about some reason why you married her. Like, what he was trying to do was just get me to articulate what I think about Jamie because we're married. We have this relationship. And the point of it was he wanted to talk about um, the reality of our relationship with God. If someone were to ask you the question, who is Jesus? Like, who is Jesus to you? How would you answer it? Um, you know, how you answer that question directly affects not just how you think of yourself, although it very much does, but it directly correlates to how you treat other people. It is a one-to-one -one relationship. Who is Jesus to you? Just to give you a couple quick things. John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So one thing that Jesus is, is he is your friend. Do you think about Jesus as being your friend? John chapter 13 Verse 1, Jesus says, uh, we read this, It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus is your Savior. He's your friend. He's your Savior. Or if you think about Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is your king. So just like real quick, if you left right now, you have some good things to think about. Who is Jesus? He's your friend. He's your king. He's your savior. That's who he is. And understanding who Jesus is is so significant. In fact, Paul says this 
in the text we just read in uh, Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In order to have the kind of flourishing, life-giving, thriving relationships that God desires for us to have with each other, what's the most important critical element? Knowing who Jesus is. Your king, your friend, your savior. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Paul then says, who being in very nature God. Who is Jesus? He is God. And we believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God, equal in power and glory. Jesus is God. He's your friend, he's your Savior, he's your King, he's God. What do we, what is Paul wanting us to learn about him from the book of Philippians here in chapter 2? Some really beautiful, probably surprising things if you haven't thought about it before. Because we learned that Jesus is someone that it's hard to wrap our minds around. At the same time, that's exactly why we've been given the Scriptures. We're not supposed to make up who Jesus is. We're not supposed to make assumptions. The Scriptures tell us this is who Jesus is. So who is He? Two ideas here. The first is that Jesus is the humble one. Verse 6 We read that he's God, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So again, Jesus is part of the Trinity. He's God, fully God, fully man, but but he's God. And he doesn't use his being equal with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, it's not self-centered. Whatever power he has as God, he's not using it to his own advantage. Then in verse 7, we read, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Do you remember what we just read in John chapter 15? Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And yet Jesus himself, the humble one, says, I'm God and I'm going to make myself a servant. Making himself nothing, we read in verse 7. Now, if you write out your top five goals for next year, I really hope it isn't to be nothing, right? There's something that's going on here that Jesus is uniquely able to do. This is not a call for the Christian to abandon like everything about themselves. This is actually about who Jesus is. He's the one who's God, he's all-powerful, and yet he doesn't use his own power to manipulate or for his own advantage. He makes himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Have you ever met a famous person? You know, I once met a guy, and he was so normal and just kind, and um, I just sat down next to him in the airport, and I began talking to him, why are you traveling, yada, 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 back and forth. And he finally goes on to tell me that actually he works in Hollywood, and he's written several, several movies, and he tells me about the screenplays. And I was like, whoa, okay. I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. You know, like, I, I didn't want to talk about movies anymore because this guy, like, writes movies. That's what he does. But he was so approachable. There's something about who Jesus is in being nothing, in being a servant, in being humble. Even though he's God, that he becomes accessible. He becomes knowable. When you think about who Jesus is, do you think about him as one who is meant to be given to you by God so that you can know him so that you can access him now i think if jesus walked in the room right now you would be underwhelmed and overwhelmed you'd be like oh 
I thought he'd be taller. Or, oh, I thought he, his hair would be a different color or whatever it would be. He would be so accessible. He's human and yet fully God. And yet he's also overwhelming because he is the king of heaven and earth. But he chooses to come as a humble one. Paul goes on, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, who has all this power, he's God himself, in very nature God, chooses to shed that power, not use it for his own advantage, to come as a normal person so that we can know who he is, and he becomes obedient even unto death. Why? Well, kind of fast forward to the end of of the text we read this morning. It's all for the glory of God the Father. What does that mean to glorify God? It means to praise Him. It means to rightly understand who He is, kind of like glorifying Jesus even in this moment is for us to understand who Jesus is according to what the Word says. Because when God is glorified, here's the result. Life, renewal, hope, healing, forgiveness, compassion, mercy. When God is most fully glorified, beautiful things begin to happen. And so Jesus does all these things. He's humble to get to this, to the glory of God the Father. When you think about who Jesus is, do you think about him as the humble one? Do you think about him as the knowable one? He's the one, if he's God, knows all things and cares for us and watches over us. Can you trust him? I've been listening to a podcast recently about Lewis and Clark, and I don't know, 20 years ago, I just kind of got into the whole story because I, that's when I moved to St. Louis, and I was like, ooh, I love the West, and now I live in St. Louis, you know, there's the arch, it's the gateway to the West, let's do this. So I start reading all these Lewis and Clark little journals, which are really fun. But there's a podcast that came out last year by Wonderly, and uh, I was listening to it, and it tells this one story of the journey where Lewis and Clark and the soldiers are all there together being sent out, and they come up and they, they get on the banks of the shore, and they climb up what a pretty steep bank. And you may not know this about the, the, the Mississippi River and the Missouri River and how all these things work together, but it actually gets quite treacherous as you go north, you know, out of St. Louis and over. And the men were climbing up to get a vantage point. The problem is it was raining really bad. It wasn't just rock, it was really muddy. And so they barely make it to the top. Finally, everyone makes it but this one soldier. And this guy is trying to clamor his way up, and he realizes he's not going to make it. He calls out to Lewis. And so what Lewis does is he crawls on his belly down towards where the man is, and he says, I can reach you. Give me your hand. man gives him his hand. He goes, okay, like, that's all I can do. You're going to have to do something. And so he tells him, he instructs him, hey, pull a knife out, dig a hole in the dirt, stick your foot in there, push yourself up, and eventually he saves him. What I love about that story is like how brave... Lewis was, like, the men trusted him because he had been through a lot, he had a lot of experience, and so they're like, okay, we're going to follow you in that. But the difference between that kind of humility that Lewis has there and the kind of humility we see with Jesus here, Jesus doesn't say, you know, here, take a hold of my hand, now the rest is up to you. He takes a hold of you and just like, you know, goes, wink, and flings you up the rest of the way or however you want to look at it, but he does all of it. He's humble, he's all-powerful, he's gracious to us. But he's not only that. Paul doesn't stop there. He's not even obedient just to death, and he does that. He goes to die for us so that he can, so we can be reconciled, but there's more to who Jesus is. He's also the victor. He's the Lord. He's the king. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. How high? Well, whatever you're imagining, 
higher than that. It's the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalts him to the highest place, gives him a name that's above every name. Essentially, Jesus gets acknowledged for who he is. The one who doesn't use his power for his own sake uses his power for the sake of others. You know, you consider what's um, at the end of this where it says, every tongue acknowledge Jesus as Lord. It says, every knee will bow. Who bows first in this equation? Do people bow first or does Jesus bow first? Jesus bows first. He becomes obedient unto death. This call of great sacrifice because he loves us and because he wants to see his Father glorified. Now, what does this mean? Well, a couple things for you to think about. If Jesus is actually who the Scriptures say that he is, if he's actually the victor, if he's actually the Lord, if he's actually the King, how does that change things? Well, I don't know if you watched the news last week, but if you did, it would be hard not to be fearful of a thousand different things, whether it's racism or things in, our, in politics or things going on in our world as far as wars. And hey, this is also what was discussed on the news, UFOs. Like, what do we do with all of this? How big must Jesus be in order for it to matter when it comes to talking about everything from how to get along with each other to UFOs? Like, is he big enough for that? Hear it again. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, whether visitors or not, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's how big he is. Or consider what Paul says about who Jesus is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He has been given the highest name. This is really good news for us. It's really good for us to understand this. Because life has a way of putting obstacles before you that might be really big at times. I had a friend this morning tell me about a huge obstacle that he's going to have to face with his family, things going on for him. Uh, I've had things in my life over the past years that have been so big, I'm like, is there anything big enough to sustain me in the midst of this thing? There is, and it's not me. It's the one by whom and for whom and through whom all things were created. It's the one who the Father in heaven gave the highest name above all names that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who is Jesus to you? What is it that you need His grace to saturate, to give you hope in the midst of difficulty? Or what are the really beautiful things that are going on in your life right now? Have you given thanks to the one who made you and knows you and cares for you? There is a God whose Son has come to make us new and to bring us life. Do you know who He is? You know why it matters so much for you to know who He is? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Relationships are not easy. They're not easy. They're difficult. 
because I'm a part of it, you're a part of it, people are a part of it, they're broken. Is there anything that can offer us hope and direction in how just to treat each other in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus? Let me put it like this. The way in which we love each other reveals how we think God loves us. The way we love each other reveals how we think God loves us. How do you think God loves you? He sent this one, His Son, very God Himself, who didn't use power for His own sake, rather makes Himself nothing, takes the nature of a servant, becomes obedient to death on a cross. Why? So that you could have a relationship with God the Father. And the result of His great sacrifice, that re- of His making it possible, is renewal and life. That's why Paul's giving us this paradigm. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think about it like this. You cannot express the love of Christ until you have experienced it. It doesn't go any other way. So if you're finding it's difficult to express the love of Christ towards other people, here it is. Go back to asking yourself, who do I really think Jesus is? God will never ask you to forgive someone more than he's already forgiven them. He will never ask you to be more humble with someone than he's already been with them. He'll never ask you to be more thoughtful of someone than he's already been of them. Why does that matter? Because we, as recipients of that kind of grace, it enables us to love each other without fear. It enables us to love each other when we don't deserve it. It's easy to love people that deserve to be loved. Oh, I'm good at that. Man, if you've been like really nice to me or you've been really gracious, man, I just, you know, let's just compliment each other. Let's just do it. The real challenge, the real thing that grace makes possible is loving an enemy. Whether it's a husband or a wife or a brother or a sister or a friend in school, person on the street, person you work with, person you're mad about from 10 years ago, whatever it is, there is a way that leads to life. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you, like there are lots of great relationship, like books and gurus out there. You can probably find them. Just start here. How much does Jesus love you? How much do you believe it? Are you seeking to, by faith, trust that his ways lead to life? And if so, it means echoing the kinds of gifts that he's given to you towards others' people, like forgiveness and mercy and and and. and renewal, the belief that things can be reconciled. God's inviting you into this because resurrection's on the other end of it, and it leads to the glory of the Father. So when thinking about our relationships with each other, thinking about having the same mindset as, as Christ, here's four quick ideas for, ideas for you to consider, to ponder. Number one, the relationship God has with us is a relationship that's in the light. It's a relationship that's in the light. Our God is not a God of shadows. He doesn't want you to guess at who Jesus is. He's told us right here. Jesus is the, in very nature God. He doesn't use power for his like, own advantage to manipulate or control people. He actually uses it to become a servant so that he can die for us and be humble and then be our king. It's a relationship in the light in the sense that God wants us to be able to be authentic with him because when we're able to be authentic with him, we're able to be authentic with each other. Remember that verse we read earlier from Isaiah when we were confessing our sins? It talks about God's heart toward us and why it's okay, why we can be honest with Him because He rises to show compassion. He rises to show grace. 
You know, the reason we're not authentic, the reason we often live in the darkness instead of living in the light, is we actually don't believe there's enough grace out there, either in this relationship or with God, for us to be that real. God's inviting us into the light. So it's a relationship in the light. It's a purposeful relationship. Jesus didn't just come to kind of figure things out. He came specifically to love us and to bring glory to his Father. Now, what about your relationships? Could you think about your relationships as being purposeful places to reveal the love of Christ to other people? That won't be interesting to you at all if you haven't experienced the love of Christ. Do you see how that works? If you've experienced it, you're going to want to express it because everything Christ's love touches, it brings life to. Do you want life in your marriage? Do you want life with your kids? Do you want life in your workplace with people that you're trying to work it out with or in your community? In our world, we should pray that the love of Christ is in the light and that we purposefully as the church live into following him having the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. It's a sacrificial relationship. The cost of us having a relationship with God the Father is the death of his son Jesus. Is it surprising that at times it's going to be costly for us to love each other? No, it's not. I mean, I'm not excited about it either. But the beautiful thing is is that resurrection comes. God promises to bring grace. Because of what he's done for us, we're actually able to forgive, to move toward, to be kind, to be gracious. What is it that motivates you to be kind and gracious? God's asking you to consider that the mindset of who Jesus is be the motivation that enables you to live into that same kind of sacrifice. If you don't, you'll pursue an alternate form of power to have your relationship sort of based on. It could be cost. It's too costly to love this person. It could be benefit. It's really nice because they give me things. It could be that you have kind of, you feel a sense of moral superiority over a person and you think, well, they're not worth the relationship. No, no, no. Come back to this. This is the way that leads to life. So it's a relationship in the light. It's a purposeful relationship. It's a sacrificial relationship. And it's a grace-centered relationship. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. When we do, we live toward what Paul says at the end, to the glory of God the Father. If you want to see the kind of resurrection power that God has for you in your relationships, this is the starting place. To go back to, to, go back to remembering what it is he's done for us that we might imitate it and echo it towards each other. Now, people have lots of things to say about this. Like, it's, it's true, there are, there are other philosophies in our world, even other world religions, that speak in ways that start down the right path. Consider this. Buddha says this, do not oppress others or cause them pain. That is not the way of, spirit, of the spiritual aspirant. Do not find fault with others, do not injure others, but live in accordance with virtue. We agree with that. that that's a good thing. Immanuel Kant 18th century German philosopher said this, the duty to respect one's neighbor is contained in the maxim, degrade no other person as a means to a personal ends. Hey, that sounds a lot like what Jesus, what we learn about Jesus here. But here's where Christianity differs. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what is Christ Jesus' mindset? To sacrifice for us. To be gracious for us to die on the cross for us. It's why Paul's able to write this in the first verses in, in Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, and here it is, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, the thing that makes following Jesus distinctly unique is that we follow one who completely centered himself on his Father's glory and our good at great cost to himself. It's very different than doing even some of the things that we read here from both Buddha and Emmanuel Kant just to have virtue. Like virtue in and of itself isn't enough. We actually need more. We need God's grace to make us new. We need God's grace to bring in forgiveness. We, we need God to move into us in such a way that it restores us and, and gives us his promise of a coming reality of his kingdom. Let me kind of leave you with this. We're talking about being a, a, having the mind of a disciple, right? And um, if you know anything about me, I like to go on adventures with my kids. And so when I think about following, one of the things that comes into my head is, you ever, you ever gone wakeboarding? You ever done that? You know, when you go wakeboarding, you're following a boat, right? And the, the, the sweet spot when you're wakeboarding is to be right in the wake where you can kind of bounce in between the two outside edges because that's where it's smooth. Now, if you go outside, it's really bumpy and you kind of go all over the place. But if you come back in, it's, it's nice and safe. You can go where you need to go. You can do what you need to do. And, and I want you just to take that image with you today as you leave and think about this idea of what are you following? Like, are you kind of outside by yourself trying to figure life out? trying to prove yourself, trying to, you know, muster the strength from within to have enough for whatever the world has for you? Or are you back here following after Jesus, seeking to have a mind of a disciple, wondering about the mystery of his love for us, asking God to give us the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus so that you can be in his wake? God offers you grace today. Follow him. Find, your mercy, find what your heart most needs in trusting in him. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we consider your words this morning and even Paul's um, text here in Philippians chapter 2, that our relationships and understanding what a flourishing relationship looks like, what it means to have a thriving relationship, is absolutely centered on us understanding who you are. Would you enable us by faith to be able to see that you, in fact, are God, that you are the humble one who is obedient to death, but you are also the victor whose name is above all names, uh, the one who the Father has put at the highest of high places that we're meant to draw comfort from because your grace is sufficient for us. Enable us to trust that in such a way that it brings you glory because when you're glorified, there we find life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.